wake up and get out of bed Don't delay your sleepy head Grab a seat on the couch Listen to what we're talking about In a Saturday morning pajamas Hello and welcome, pour yourself a bowl of cereal Grab a spot on the couch and enjoy us in our Saturday morning pajamas I'm your host, Jax, and today we're taking it back Way back to the good old year of 1993. Yes, the year of Beanie Babies, birth of the World Wide Web, and such films as the original Jurassic Park, Mrs. Doubtfire, Schindler's List, Philadelphia, Robin Hood Men Tights, and today's classic, Life with Mikey. Now, who here remembers this movie? It starred young Michael J. Fox, just three years out from the final Back to the Future film, as well as a young Christina Vidal. You may recall her as Gabriella from the late 90s, early 2000s Disney movie Brink, and as well from, uh, what was it called? Oh, I can't remember it now. See No Evil, a horror movie of uh, quality starring the wrestler Kane. I saw it. I don't remember much, except it was that, a movie. <laughs> it also stalls, stars, can't talk, Nathan Lane, Cindy Lauper, and was the first role for David Krumholtz. You may remember him as Barry the Elf from Santa Claus, and more recently as the lead actor in the TV show Numbers. This film, for those who do not remember, is about a talent agency, one run by Michael J. Fox's character, Mikey, or not Mikey, Oh god, I forgot the character's name. It's not important. <laughs> the talent agency is run by brothers Michael J. Fox and Nathan Lane. This agency has been going strong for about 10-15 years following a child actor career by Michael J. Fox. As a kid, Michael J. Fox starred in this TV show called Life with Mikey. A sort of Leave it to Beaver-esque TV show with him always getting in trouble. And he starred on that pretty much his entire childhood. Never went to a real school, always had tutors, never had a real life. So you know he's grounded in reality. <laughs> Nathan Lane, however, he's the one who mainly runs the business because he's grown up with this brother who had the fame, who's always had the spotlight, but never had the, what's the word? He never really had the foundation. He never really had to work for things. He just always has to say his little cute catchphrase and he gets away with everything. So he grew up in his shadow. That's what I meant to say. Now, in the course of this talent agency, of course, you're going to need talent. What type of talent shall we represent? <gasps> Children, because they make money and that's always a good decision. <laughs> so... Throughout the movie, we get a lot of various, uh, not a lot, but there are three or four different times when, sometimes with the plot, sometimes just because we need filler, you will see the black guys, or at least Nathan Lane's character, watching kids audition. Some of these kids have talent, some do not, but their parents believe, so they believe. Now, along now, as this is a talent agency that mainly Nathan Lane is running, he's not doing so hot. They have one good star, and that is an annoying little twat, uh, played by David Krummeltz. 
he is a kid who's in cereal commercials and he gets what he wants and he is total diva. Like, I want this, you will do it for me. Has his mom doing all this stuff for him. Like, she works for him. He is an annoying little brat. <laughs> I say that with the most love, but he needs a... He needs discipline. He, he rack a discipline. To quote Cartman from Suffer. So, with not much coming in and with times are tough and with just all this going on, Nathan Lane's character is ready to give the place up if his brother doesn't actually help out. How about he does? One day, while dodging responsibility and just walking around while Nathan's working, Michael J. Fox is out and meets this little girl on the street. She's She doesn't have the best home life, and her dad's actually and has addiction problems, so he's away, and she's living with her sister, who really... She cares, but the sister's so one-dimensional. We, we basically see her walking up the stairs in one scene, and the only other scene we actually see the sister in is she's sitting on the couch going, oh, you're home, after her sister had been crashing at her, spoiler, agent's house for some weeks. So, you know, it's a great home life, and, you know, she gets by. If she doesn't go to school, she pickpockets for money. Eh, kids learn, kids rebel. That's what it is. In the course, though, of this life of crime, the little girl uh, named Angie in the movie, there you go, named Angie, she learns to act. She gives sob stories when she gets in trouble to get out of things, and Michael sees a spark in her, sees, well, sees money, but he does see a spark that she could be a good actor. So he signs her on the spot, convinces her to try out, begs her to try out, and gets her to go and try out for an audition, which she gets. Uh, I should note the only reason he got her into the audition was by using his fame. So, yeah, dude. Uh-uh. There's a reason you're single at 30, okay? Ain't kind of no more. Uh-uh. So, she... So, that's the basic premise. And then, of course, things happen with, you know, her acting career, the whole bad home life. Um, she does end up staying with Michael J. Fox's character for a while. And really, she improves. Um, blah, blah, blah. End of the movie, everyone's happy. She is a television star. Star. She's going to school. She's improving. Her dad's gotten better. You know, and the talent agency is open, and they have a bright new star to join Barry the Serial Kid and Gina the Sunburst Cookie Girl. Wonderful movie that I remember seeing when I was... Oh, God, I probably saw us in theaters when I was 11, or when I was probably 11. So, you know, I don't know what good was out that same weekend, but we're just going to go, my taste in movies probably has changed a little. <laughs> Overall, though, I still enjoyed the movie. I thought that for this being Christina Vidal's and David Krimmel's first films ever, first acting jobs, actually, on IMDb, they did really well. Uh, part of it was being smarmy little kids, but, you know, it does, t it's kind of like how people who, Kelly Bundy, uh, Christina Applegate, how she played stupid all those years, uh, well, most of those years on Married with Children. You have to be smart to play stupid to get it right, to get the timing right, to know when to go too far. Same with these kids. They had to be very good to know when to hit the marks and how to be just the right level of annoying without going over the top and losing the audience. So I thought that was really great. 
I believe that Cindy Lauper was underused. She played the receptionist for the talent agency, and she was there. She was she had a couple lines, but it it felt like they could have done a little bit more dimension to her character. Actually, really, most characters, the ones with the most dimension, were Michael J. Fox, uh, Christina Vidal. Though we learned, you know, as we grew with her, because she was. She technically is the star since she's the one who grew throughout the movie and, you know, who we followed most of the way. Michael J. Fox, too, but not too such. It wasn't outright to a great degree. She grew a little bit more. Uh, David Cromwell had some... He actually got quite a bit of screen time in this, so he really did well. So, it's kind of funny that Nathan Lane and Cindy Lauper took back seat. And I just wish they took out a little bit of the additioning scenes and gave more time to these great actors, maybe flushed out their characters a little bit more. Speaking of actors who could have been given a little bit more development, we're going on to this week's second movie, 1994's Walt Disney's Blank Check. For those who may not remember, this is the movie about a kid named Preston Waters who is always being picked on by other kids, by his parents, by his twin older brothers. He can never catch a break. He's always being told to grow up, do this, do that. Things that you can't magically grow up and no one's given him a chance to grow because they just keep pulling him down, it seems. For example, at the beginning of the film, um, Preston gets to go to a, fr a friend, uh, loosely, a classmate's birthday party at an amusement park and his family gives him like a whole dollar or some some absurd amount like that which allows him to ride only the kiddie rides. So, he goes to the park, he rides all the key rides, and gets made fun of while all the other kids with money get to go on the big rides. Now, you might ask, why his parents need to give him money? Well, he is 11, and his older brothers took his money. Quite simply, they are starting their own business, and they decide to take his, they took his jar of change that he's been savings, and his dad does damn shit about it. Really annoying, but what you gonna do? Uh, you know, we have to paint this picture of this kid who's been oppressed, not oppressed, that's the wrong word, who's just being kicked down by everyone. So, la la la, things happen, and somehow Preston gets his bike wrecked by this guy who wasn't paying attention in the parking lot. Guy writes Preston a check to pay for the damage, and lo and behold, it's a blank check. In an earlier scene, Preston received a blank check for his birthday from his grandma, so his dad's like, you're 11, she probably meant to give you $11. Uh, so he just writes $11 in the check. I'm thinking that's forgery and really you should call the person and ask, since you're just making up, maybe they meant to give him 10, maybe they meant to give him 50. You don't know and you don't want to overcompensate him either, since that's going to be illegal. So anyways, that put the idea in Preston's head that he can write for check for whatever he wants. So he decides to put it out for a million dollars. Because, you know, He's a kid. What does he know? Except the bank actually cashes it because through a wacky misunderstanding, they think he is this mobster, not mobster, but this uh, felon who has blackmail or something on the bank manager things. They think he's someone else and they cash the check. So Preston goes on a spree and just buys all the shit. He buys a house, which... If HGTV has led me to believe, you need to sign some damn big paperwork to get that. But no, 
he's able to do this over the phone using his computer's voice talking program, which they used to have, to actually make the purchase. Okay, we'll go with that. Um, so we get the wacky montages of him shopping, of him trying to be an adult, of him having a crush on the older lady from the bank and all of this. And of course we have the ending where the bad guys come, kidnap the kid, try to find out what's going on, there's cops, everyone learns a lesson but no one gets in trouble. The same type of that shit you're always going to see in these types of movies, which we will be getting into more since this is going to be the bread and butter of my show. Just kidding. We will go into a few of these, but we're also doing the, you know, at the cinema releases, we also are going to be doing uh, some newer favorites as well. In fact, I have a new DVD downstairs, fresh from Redbox, ready to watch tomorrow to bring to you for later this week. Back to Blank Check. So, who was in this movie, you might ask? Well, Brian Bonsall, I think I pronounced his name right, played Preston Waters. And damn if I know why I recognize this, but for some reason, they are using the picture of this kid from when he was like four or something on his IMDb profile page, which my brain somehow recognized as, ain't that the little kid from Family Ties, which I do not recall watching since. I was 12 when Blank, I was like 11 or 12 when Blank Check came out. So when Family Ties was on there, I was younger, so who knows why I'm remembering this. Anyways, that's our connection, by the way. <laughs> Smarmy kids and, hey, Family Ties people. This uh, the movie also stars Karen Duffy, James Rephorn, uh, let's see who else, IMDb is my friend, and Tone Loke, because every movie had to have Tone Loke, I mean, come on, Baby's Kids had Tone Loke, you gotta have Tone Loke in this time of the, you know, in the early 90s. Overall, I thought the movie was really great, I remember especially liking it when I was a kid, because of some of the things that Preston did, um... And y'all know I've had my brother Joran on here. <laughs> yeah, if you go to his website, joranwaters.net, yeah, we share the same last name as Preston. So, first when I was a kid, I thought that was so cool that, oh my god, the guy in the movie has the same last name as me. Over it. The movie also had what I swear was a part written for Chris Farley, but no Chris Farley. And he was alive at this time. It was, this part, it was the part of the limo driver who becomes friends with Preston. Like, Chris Farley might have been a bit too crude for this movie, actually. Because, um, again, this was Disney. But I just felt that, like, overweight, simple, not really simple, but kind-hearted, similar driver, befriends the kid. That makes me think of Chris Farley. So, you know, maybe that was who they were hoping for, and Disney's budget or censors were like, uh-uh, not going to work. Besides that, the rest of the cast, I swear they look familiar, but really no one stands out to me as something I'd recognize. Um, so there's, pro there's probably a lot of character actors in it, is what you would say. Overall, the movie was good. It was entertaining. It was something that I enjoyed back when I was a child and when I saw it recently. It was entertaining, but in the... I'm going to play with my phone and look on Facebook and, you know, maybe play Animal Crossing on my Game Boy while watching this through some of the more cringy parts. But still, it's a good, it still holds up as a family film. 
technology is dated as hell. I mean, sorry, they have the original Mac, and the whole family, no one knows how to use the computer, not even the teenage boys, uh, teenage twin brothers, but Preston knows, A, even though that Mac was probably the same ones that were in his schools at that time, I doubt, I still think if the teenagers got a computer, they don't know how to use it, and the dad seemed like a business type, so he would at least know something about computers. It, it, it relies too much. It's, it's a family film, film that's more for, it's one of those family films where it's for the, it's geared to the kid. The parents might have a laugh or two, but really it's called a family film because the parent, because everyone can watch it and it's not going to be too crass for the kid. Just saying. So between these two movies, which one would I suggest to watch more? That depends. Blank Check has a bit more production quality to it, whereas Life of Mikey has a little bit more heart to it. Both have their cringy moments. Both have their funny moments. Really, it's up to you to decide which one looks more appealing, but I would say check them both out and see which one maybe you, know, you want. Maybe this will become a new favorite of yours. Maybe this will become something to return to return and never watch again. It's up to you, but I do suggest you give them both a try. So before we go and for today, I do want to give a couple little shout outs. One, I want to shout out again to all of our Stitcher listeners. You can download the free Stitcher app if you're not on there. Listen to tons of shows, over 40,000 or something, I believe. You know, it's really great, but I want to thank all of our listeners on there since I know we have quite a few. As well, Google Play Music has just launched their podcast service, so now you can listen to podcasts. Right now it's on the web and it's rolling out to mobile devices, so we are going to be up there very soon. Um, right now, actually, some of my data was incorrect, so this episode might not go up right away on Google Play Music. But I do recommend you check it out. You can find you'll be able to find us there very soon. As well, there's gonna be a ton of other great shows. I just really recommend that you check out. And you know, price isn't too bad either. <gasps> One uh yeah, price <laughs> I can talk today, I swear. Is we have that treat with Audible. I always want to remind you guys of this because I know you're looking for something to listen to. You know, you have my soothing voice, but I can't talk that much, so you need something to listen to the rest of the time. <laughs> if you go to audibletrial.com slash SNP, you can get a free trial for 30 days. You can pick out your free audiobook from over 180,000 titles and listen to it. It shouldn't take you a whole month to listen to it. Depend, well, depends on your schedule. It has to be that long before. But you can listen to a book while you're driving, while you're working out, while you're cleaning the house, whatever. You can go get a book, check it out. If you'd like the service, you can always sign up for the next month. If the service isn't for you, what have you lost? Because, again, it is a free one-month trial. So, again, that's audibletrial.com slash SMP. And finally, we do want to give a shout-out to all of our patrons who donated through Podbean. You all are very special and have helped me so much. So if you all, you know, do feel like donating more, we always will appreciate any dollar helps. It helps us pay for our hosting and these wonderful gems of movies that I managed to find between cable TV, Netflix, Redbox, Hulu, Amazon Prime, 
all of it. We got your back, but we know something's got to pay for all these services, so help me out here. <laughs> you can find a link to the Patreon page if you are interested in donating at the bottom of our website at nonoms.net. And if you do have a comment, you have some constructive criticism, you have a request for a movie that you want me to either enjoy or torture through, please leave a comment on the blog post, and I will take care and take note. Again, our website is www.nonoms.net. And I want to thank everyone so much for listening today. It's been a pleasure. Until next time, bye.